Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by our title sponsor, and that would be Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. They make, obviously, the most well-built and most comfortable fire line packs out there in existence, period, end of subject. They are awesome. I've been rocking them for many of years. But not only do they make awesome fire gear, they make a ton of other load-bearing essentials. So if you guys... Let's put you in a, a, a situation. You need to go peel a trophy elk off the side of a mountain in Arizona. They got a solution for you. You need to stuff your civvies in a backpack and throw it under the seat of the engine. They got a solution for you. Hell, you need to make a new crew boss kit and you need a briefcase for that. Well, they've got a solution for that. Not only do they have all these solutions for you, but they are also giving back to the community. They are starting the Backbone series, which is super sick. It's going to be awesome. And we are working together on that. And we're going to be releasing some more details here pretty soon. But basically, it's going to highlight the stories of seasonal, temporary, and uh, permanent employees out there in the field doing the hard work out there on the ground. So that's pretty cool. Not only that, but they're also giving back to the community by starting the 1039 scholarship fund, which is super sick. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, basically the way it works is a portion of the proceeds from that a particular backpack that I mentioned and that particular briefcase that I mentioned is going to go into a scholarship fund basically for you guys in the field. So if you guys want to go back to uh, school, further your career, further your career, further your education, further your, further your life goals, Jeez, I can't say further today. Anyways, if you guys want to further all that stuff, be on the lookout for the 1039 Scholarship Fund. And if you guys want to find out more or you guys need some load-bearing essentials, don't ever hesitate to go to www.mysteryranch.com and check out everything they have to offer. The Anchor Point Podcast is also brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that you might ask? Well, it is none other than Hot Shot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause where a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and sometimes a little bit more, which is pretty cool. They're uh, definitely dedicated to community and they make kick-ass coffee and kick-ass shirts and kick-ass tools of the trade to get your morning started right. So if you guys need some good coffee, or you guys need some fire wildland firefighter themed apparel, sweatshirts, swag, stickers. Hell, if you guys even need the uh, tools of the trade to get your morning started off right, definitely go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out their full line. I'm pretty stoked about these guys, and they also help us out over here at the Anchor Point Podcast by slinging our merch. So if you guys are in the market for the Fire Fiend t-shirt or the Band Brothers t-shirt or stickers hell i believe uh, even he has some onesies still available we got a little one on the way but yes if you go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com you can check out the full line of apparel coffee and tools of the trade and some of our merch if you guys are interested in some uh, anchor point swag so check them out the anchor point podcast would also like to raise a little bit of awareness a little PSA of sorts. What kind of PSA is this? Well, there is a serious problem out there and it is the problem people trashing our public lands and it's disgusting. Not only are they leaving their garbage everywhere, but they're leaving also their human waste nicely gift wrapped in toilet paper and not taking care of business when they do their business out on public lands and it's disgusting. But good thing is 
is you can help stop it. You can get over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. It's a funny name, but it's serious about conservation and being true stewards to the land. So if you uh, know a particular problem area, well, you might be able to nonchalantly post a sticker as like a little reminder for people to clean up after themselves. So once again, once again, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. Funny name, serious about conservation. And last but not least, Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there, and you do wonderful things for telling the story of wildland firefighting here in North America, and I love it. It is awesome. But basically, if you go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out, it is a huge catalog of well, wildland fire firefighting stories dating all the way back to the 1940s. It's a digital archive of sorts. There's over a hundred of these things and it is awesome. So if you guys want a little bit of a history lesson or a trip down memory lane or want to hear some uh, pressing topics that's uh, affecting our community currently, go over to www.wildfireexperience.com and check it out. Bethany, is she has a wonderful organization going on over there, and uh, she's actually teamed up with Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pumps to help facilitate some grants for you folks in the field. I know that the 2020 winners have been announced, and they're out there uh, doing their thing and documenting and telling the story. But you guys have another chance here, probably in the winter and fall, to apply for the 2021 round of grants. So there's a limited number of $500 grants out there for anybody who's telling this story of wildland firefighter firefighting. If you happen to be a writer, a blogger, a photographer, a cinematographer, you guys got a chance. So once again, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org. <laughs> dot org. Geez, I can't even get the thing right. So let's try that again. www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well, staying safe, staying savage, and doing their damn thing. I know we had a bunch of lightning come through Region 4 in the Great Basin, and uh, yeah, it got pretty busy pretty damn quick. So, hope everybody's doing well. Anyways, today on the show, we've got a pretty darn interesting guest. I'm sure you've seen him running around on the internet and making fun of people. Uh, (laughs) He is a professional memer slash professional firefighter. And yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of the behind the scenes action as to what goes into that. But despite the memes and the hilarity that ensues, he does a lot of good for the community, which I am stoked about. So listen up. This is especially for you veterans in fire and particularly veterans that have 
some EMS background in their back pocket to utilize. So if you happen to be a seasonal employee, we're going to talk about furthering your life and gaining some experiences and moving on to new opportunities if they so present themselves. We're especially going to be talking about the world of contracting. So you have to have some armed security experience or some military background or contracting time with some EMS. Well, now's your opportunity to listen. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Worst Responders. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got the GWAT, Trap Lord, Mame God, Worst Responders. I'm stoked for this. What's going on, dude? Hey, dude, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So tell I'm just us- a dude. Just for the record, I'm just a normal dude. With a, I just post poop jokes on the internet, man. <laughs> dude, the poop gang stickers are they're fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about yourself, man. Well, what you so can keeping anonymity. I, oh yeah. Super secret. Uh, I'm a dude and I uh, did a little wildland, did a little military, um, did a little white collar stuff, did a little armed work and then, uh, kind of always missed the military or like the uh, medical stuff. And so I got on an ambo with a buddy and, uh, we like memes to begin with. And so we looked at these other meme pages and we just call each other and tell stories and stuff. And, um, we, we ended up making a meme for another page and I sent it to them and it blew up and I was like, Hey, I think we can do that. And then, you know, here we are. Nice. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so we, we worked on the ambo for both about less than a year and we were, we were kind of doing all sorts of different side hustles and stuff, whether it was, you know, business stuff or, you know, contract work, uh, just kind of odd jobs, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, we realized that the best way to do the stuff we wanted to do was to have a, of an ambulance or a fire schedule, you know, a Kelly schedule or a 4896 or something like that. And so we figured the easiest way to do that was get on the Ambo. And then we quickly realized that that life sucks. And, uh, you know, we should look at the fire department and, you know, so we, we managed to slime our way out of the fire department and, you know, the rest is, the rest is history. So nice, man. So how long have you been in fire? So, uh, less than two years on a structure department, um, but I did two summers of wildland and kind of grew up always thinking I wanted to do that. Uh, you know, when I grew up. Nice man. And, uh, we actually have a mutual friend. Yes, we do. Mr. Pulaski's and barbells, barbells and yeah, Pulaski's small, always fucked that small up. World. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's, that's a crazy thing though. Is like fire is such a small community. I'm pretty sure the structure side of things is equally as small. Yeah. Just as small. The, the fascinating thing is like, it's always impressive how many, you know, I was never on anything like, you know, extremely cool in any, in anything that I actually did. I was, you know, I wasn't a special operations dude. I wasn't a smoke jumper or some, you know, gnarly guy. Um, but all of those worlds, everybody knows each other, dude. And, uh, like the wild inside is impressive how tight knit it is because there's a lot of, it's, they're all nomads. And I, and it's a cool lifestyle to have. And, you know, hopefully we can get into that a bit more, but hell yeah, that's just funny. Like that, you know, these guys that only work together for four or five, six months a year and they switch crews and everybody's doing all this stuff. Like they still just have that tight knit, you know, the same, the same closeness that I feel like I had with my guys in the military. So 
yeah it's, it's cool to see well it's kind of crazy though because even if someone like leaves that crew and goes like to some other crew and you eventually run into them on another fire another incident and it's just like you're sitting in chow and you're like hey what's going on dude it's yeah. like, like you never even skipped a beat really yeah yeah it's a it's a cool vibe it's a cool feeling it's yeah. a really cool culture yeah, it's we had a pretty good uh, lengthy discussion about the whole culture of wild band. Of course, tribe got brought up again, and Jocko got brought up. And yeah, it's there's a lot of parallels from fire to the military, and you kind of did it in like a reverse order. So you've you did some time downrange. You were in the military, but uh, we we're talking about like how you did fire before the military, and usually it's vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, I wanted to be a firefighter because I watched Backdraft too many times. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I got older and I watched 300 too many times. I wanted to be in the military. And so, uh, I, uh, I, I did that, you know, little explorer programs and stuff with the local fire department. And it was cool. It was more of like a taxpayer funded babysitters by the fire department kind of thing. <laughs> like what's what these kids, like this kid's either going to play with fire or he's going to hang out with firefighters, you know? And so, um, I did that and I got the opportunity while I was my, I was towards the end of high school, to go basically do my 13190 and kind of do this little mini wildland academy thing for this crew. And so like I graduated high school and a couple of days later, like I was on fire, um, which was awesome. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought I didn't think I would like it as much as I did, but I, I liked the woods and the mountains and the traveling and the nomad kind of thing. And it was really gnarly. I, I, you know, I came from like a nice, you know, my parents are still married and, you know, 2.5 kids, golden retriever, the whole, you know, just a normal middle class, normal upbringing. And so like traveling all over the country with dudes from all over and different backgrounds and stuff was just super cool. And I did that for two summers and I wanted a bit more of a challenge. So I joined the army and the army was not like as hard as I thought it was going to be, at least in the be- at least, you know, basic in AIT. And, uh, you know, people are like learning how to, wear a rucksack and it's like, Oh, I've done this or, Oh, MRE is disgusting. You're like, Oh dude, uh, I'll eat that. I'll trade you, you know? Cause you knew, you knew which ones are good. Yeah. Uh, Cause you already had that wild end time, but yeah, it was, it's kind of a weird, a weird way to do it. But I think it benefited me quite a bit just doing something before, um, jumping into another thing. And, uh, we had this, you know, you and I had this good talk about guys that joined the military right out of high school, generally, buy into it a little bit more and drink the Kool-Aid a little harder and identify as like, you know, their bio on Instagrams, like I'm a soldier or whatever. The and Tinder profile says you, I'm a American yeah, soldier. Right. Right. And you countered with like that same thing happens on the wildland side. So I think it's just me. And like, I don't really entertain this idea before, but I'm almost wondering if like, I don't mean to like jump into like crazy psychology stuff yet, but um, it's funny to think about like what causes that and, you know, our discussions about tribe and stuff, but really like, is it more about jumping into something without having an, an other identity or something else you've done? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's food for thought. I I can't stop thinking about it now. Yeah. Well, we're on the subject, man. Let's take a dive at it. Let's take a shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, you know, guys will join the military and they, you can spot them. They get out, they go to college and it's military shirts and unit shirts and camel backpacks and stickers on the truck. And they got to let everybody know they're a, a military guy. And I was never really kind of like that. Like I'd, I'd wear a unit shirt to the gym or something to, just, you know, yeah, no real reason. Um, 
And then you pointed out that like the same thing happens on your side of the house and, uh, being on a structure department now, there's guys that got hired real young and that's all they got. That's their their identity. And I think it's maybe less about that they didn't live on their own or, or you know, they weren't this, their own person before. But I think it's just comes from like a variety of experiences that lets you identify as more than just a firefighter or a cop or a veteran or a business owner or a wildland dude. Yeah, but the same thing should be said, though. I mean, it's something to be proud about. I mean, whether, oh, of course, you know, if you've done your time in service, you know, or you're a firefighter or an LEO or whatever, you should be proud of that, but it shouldn't be the defining factor of your life. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if it's just because we're young and impressionable, like one of those folks that I've, I've never been in the military. And you, so you see the other side of this. Uh, all I've known is pretty much fire for my entire life, uh, at least 11 years of it. And it becomes your identity, like straight up. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you see the same thing in you know, any kind of cool job that attracts dudes that want to do tough, cool guy stuff. You know, that, that's kind of the common denominator is that it's and like women. It defines. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, we didn't have, you know, I didn't have women in the first two and a half years of time that I was in. We didn't have them in our unit because I was in an infantry unit. Um, but dude, there's some tough, oof, there's some tough chicks, um, out there. Uh, yeah. And I, I use the term guys just kind of like as people that do that, that line of work. So yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. You see like, like, I mean, I call like, we called them kids, you know, I was 25 as an instructor calling some 21 year old a kid, you know, it's like condescending as hell. <laughs> it is. Uh, um, but it's like one of those things. It's kind of like part of, I, I, I'm not like advocating for this kind of behavior, you know, like don't be a dick bag when you're training people, but, uh, oh, also sure. it's, it's part of the culture though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we had guys that like I, like a combat badge and a combat patch could mean different things and how you were treated to, despite your ranks. So like, like a sergeant that didn't have a deployment patch. I mean, yeah, he was a sergeant and you treated him with respect, but there is a different type of relationship or just a different type of like how you treated that guy is like in a combat unit than like an E3 or like a, a private or a specialist that had a combat badge and a combat patch. You know, you're like, okay, like, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a hierarchy of that hierarchy yeah. of respect, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining, and I only did wildland briefly, uh, and I wasn't, you know, some stellar cool guy standout or anything, but like I imagine like the guys that like, was, I think that was you were, I was talking with about like, cause we're trying to get a, we're trying to get an interview with smoke jumper. And, uh, ironically, it's easier to get interviews of like Ranger medics and seal Delta guys and, and, uh, PJs and all sorts of crazy shit. Um, hard to get, hard to find a PJ man. There's not, or a, a smoke jumper, I should say. Um, but there was the discussion of like, well, just cause you made it doesn't mean you earn the shirt. Yep. Was that, was that you that said that? Yeah, that was me. Um, yeah. so that's, and that's just knowledge that I've gained. I mean, I've, I've never jumped out of a perfectly good airplane into a raging fucking forest fire, of course. But from what I understand, I mean, I know from the outside looking in, I, from what I understand is, you know, yeah, you get your rookie, you rookie training through, but you still need to earn your stripes basically. Yeah. It's not about just, you know, learning how to jump out of a plane. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. And that's like the, it's all the unwritten stuff. It's the culture, um, traditions. Yeah. Yeah. And like you see it, like you see it in the structure side, you know, like there's, okay. Base layer advice is like, we okay, we'll always be cleaning and always doing this and that. Like, 
but you didn't really feel like you you had that increased bond until you go on like a legit trauma or a legit fire or like a legit call. And that's when you like, that's when you, whether it's earning the shirt, earning the stripes or earning your patch or earning the badge or whatever, like, yeah, it's just fascinating. Like, just be like, just because you can check the boxes on the job tasks doesn't mean that you have the respect of your peers or that you're perceived as competent even. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I think, yeah, I feel you on that one, dude. It's just like when I was doing task books for people, especially the firefighter one, which is like a very important task. Everybody discounts your firefighter one qual for wildland and they say it's, oh yeah, it's just a, a stepping stone. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually the foundation of the rest of your career. If you want to stick around for the next 20 years, make it worthwhile, man. You right. got to earn, you got to earn your shirt. You got to earn your patch. You got to earn your whatever. So being, checking off boxes in the stupid task book doesn't dictate that you have the competency or the respect of your peers to earn that title. Right. Well, how, how many guys, and I, I don't know this is a genuine question, but like how many guys are qualified to be on like a national level incident management team? Only a handful. How many are actually on incident management teams at the national level? Even less than that. Even less than that. Right. So just, so what you're telling me is just having the qualifications doesn't necessarily mean that you have the respect of your peers and everybody, you know, unquestionable competency and proficiency in what it is you do for work. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Imagine that. Well, it's the same thing for the military too. For sure. Yeah. All day. Yeah. You got to earn that respect. Though. But yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's a uh, pretty interesting though. I mean, as far as your wildlands experience though, what was that like? Dude, I, I'm going to tell you that I loved it. But at the time, it was really hard work, and I know everybody can relate to that. And it was fun, like saving trees or bunnies or houses or like to, whatever, whatever we did. Like it was just, it was really cool. Nobody had it easy. There was no like even the lookout. Like initially, I was like, man, being the lookout, that's so cushion. Like no, it's not. Like the guy has to go climb up the even shittier hill and watch us. Like oh, that sucks, right? You know. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, like nobody had it easy, and there was no like you get 70 pounds of shit. I mean, I'm going to tell a podcast full of wildland dudes, what wildland's like, but like you look back and like, it sucked for everybody. Just a weird, like you've been up for 18 hours and you're just losing it. The stupid jokes in the back of the buggies and just the weird shit people do. And the shenanigans. Like, I'm going to try to catch that snake. And you're like, two hours later, you're like dropping them off at urgent care. And you're like, okay, well, like just weird, just the weird stuff that 20 people do. And they're, deprived of sleep and food out in the middle of the woods, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. it was a, it was a great time and it was hard work and it sucked at times. And it was really hard work at times. And, uh, I think everybody should do it, man. I think people always joke to like, everybody should serve in the military. And you're like, no, no, I think everybody should have to, there should be like, and it's mostly a joke. I'm not like down for like fourth conscription, <laughs> but like, everybody should like have to be a server in a restaurant for two years or like work wildland for two years. Like just everyone should have to do something where you have to humble yourself and do the job despite external circumstances that make it suck. Whether it's a customer being a jerk or a force that's on fire, you know, like I just think there's something about it that taught me a lot. Like a lot of my life lessons, I, I feel like I learned first in wildland. And I, I learned a lot in the military, but I think I had an easier time in the military because I came from wildland. 
So it, it primed you. It kind of like set you up for success. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like the chain of command, the sleeping in tents, the sleeping outside, the hiking, the carrying lots of shit on your back, the breaking, like breaking in your boots, right? Like guys are like, oh, like, oh, like boots. And you're like, oh, well, you know, like it just all the, there's so much little stuff, like knowing which MREs were good, right? Like, okay, well, my day was made because I love chicken and noodles. Yeah. And I learned that I love chicken and noodles from Wildland. And most people think it's gross, whatever. I know most people are like a chili mac kind of guy, but um, just knowing, like being comfortable outside in the woods, carrying sh- lots of stuff on your back made it that much easier to just kind of sit back and observe everything instead of struggling with everybody else. I got you. And what's what's that yeah. culture of suffering though? It's a suffering culture. I think it brings, yeah, it brings you together, man. Dude. Yeah. And so like, like even like deployment related, you know, like we'd be climbing mountains with lots of weight. And you look back fondly of it because like it sucked for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there was no nobody nobody breathed through that. I didn't care if you're the commander, like you still carried tons of crap and it sucked and it was hard work and you had tons of crap to worry about, you know. Yeah. So Well it's not like yeah. someone, someone's sherping your shit up the hill, you know. Right, right. And now you're in a combat zone or you're in a hostile environment like a wildland fire. I mean Right, right. This isn't like, hey, let's I'm a rich dude. I'm going to go climb Everest. Here's a, you know, give me a team of eight Sherpas and just physically carry my body up the mountain. Right. And, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's it. like, like even on structure fire now, I mean, it's a different world. There's a lot more to it than I would have thought, but, um, like going through a career Academy, like nobody had it easy, dude. It all sucks. Like the turnout gear, like turnout gear is like climbing mountains. It is like rucking really far. Like it is an equalizer. And, uh, at a certain point, like being physically fit helps, but there's at a certain point after that where, uh, you just need to be able to do it and deal with it, you know? So Learn how to the, embrace the suck, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, like a lot of those lessons came from wildland and, uh, it was, it made the military that much easier. I gotcha. Well, that's another thing too, is like, it seems like there's a lot of intersections between the military and fire. And it seems like there's, I hate making that fucking comparison because I never served. And I hate comparing fire to the military or I, I can't say for the vice versa, the other way around. But as far as someone who has experienced both hands of that, what do you think the similarities are? Uh, you have like this diversity. That's the buzzword of the year. You get this like diversity of people from different backgrounds and different experiences. And um, they all join for different reasons. Uh and they just got to basically solve these problems and figure it out and work together. And it's hard work. And there's a rank structure. And obviously, Wildland's a little more chill. You know, there's a lot more counterculture kind of stuff in Wildland. Yeah, you're not getting shot at as well. Yeah, well, you're not getting shot at, but like, you know, beards and hair and everything. Like, it's just, you know, it's a little, it's a little more chill in some regards. But it's hard work. It's outside. It's not glamorous. What the, like, what the, population as a whole thinks you do is not what you do, you know? Um, and so there's this big mis- misconception of like what it is you actually do. Um, and there's just, it's, it's, it's its own culture. It has its own terms and words and, uh, slang and insults. And there's a hierarchy and an unspoken hierarchy of, you know, this crew rivalry with this crew or like this shot crew's like, Oh, everybody knows their way better. Like, well, no, no, they're not. So you have, you just, there's so many similarities more than just, oh, it's a paramilitary organization that values teamwork. They're like, okay, well, so is an office that's really structured, you know, yeah. like you have a manager and a regional manager and a director, like, okay. So 
yeah, just there's there's a lot more parallels than I think people realize, whether it's the work of like carrying a lot of crap on your back or working with people from all sorts of backgrounds. Um yeah, like people that do well in the military and want a little more chill, like maybe I do want to grow a beard and have some long hair. Like you should really look into Wildland. Yeah, especially after you get out. Oh yeah. And plus there's veterans yeah. preference too. Yeah, yeah. They got like they got like veterans cruise and stuff in some oh, yeah. spots. They got it's a nuts. shit ton of them. They got hotshot crews that are pretty much exclusively veterans now. Yeah, I think there's one in like southern Arizona somewhere that's like the first one that's like all vet. I think um, yeah, I want to say I, I mean I'm sure I'm gonna get corrected on this because you know I'm not I can't yeah, keep track knows, of it. Yeah, I can't keep yeah, track of it. Yeah, let me know. Like, please send us a message of like these veteran crews because I I've seen some of them. We post, you know, we post those opportunities when they present, but it's just a lot of these places don't like openly advertise or whatever for some reason. Um, but yeah, the veteran the veteran preference, like, it's just an easy transition, man. Like, and I did I did wild then before I did the military, and I don't think anybody on any of my crews was ex military. A lot of them ended up joining afterwards, but. Um, you know, I got a lot of buddies that did go into wildland after they got out and they got scooped up real quick by like, you know, engines and stuff that are generally a little competitive and it was their first season, but they're a vet, they got their EMT, they've done some stuff. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people applying, but I like, I, I would imagine that those things went in their favor for getting on an engine near a, a bigger city. That's probably pretty, you know, desirable because nobody wants to live out in the middle of nowhere to work their first season to figure out if they like it or not. But, that might be what you have to do. Well, shit, man. Sometimes that's just kind of desired though, just to get away from like the hustle and bustle of the city, man, just to get out like Lakeview, Oregon. I know they have a veteran crew out there, Lakeview hotshots and they're fucking cool, man. They're good dudes and it's beautiful country out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's appealing. I get it. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I live in a city, but I get it. This, uh, yeah. Traveling the world and doing hood rat shit with your friends, man. It's nothing like it. Yeah. That's, I guess that's just the best way to put it, man. It's like, it's the weird, the weird humor that happens when everybody's sleep deprived, whether you're in the military or wildland, like you get these just funny, obscure memories and inside jokes that don't make sense to any people. And yeah, it's just a good time. It's a, they're cool cultures. Yeah. I think it's all just the culture too. I mean, it's like you, you don't get to experience that unless you've walked a mile in those shoes and to understand it. It's yeah. Even crew to crew. I mean, shit, people oh, yeah. get thrown in inside jokes within crews and to try and relate to somebody outside of that. It's difficult. Yeah. To try to explain it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I, you know, you're halfway through and you're just like, oh, yeah, it's you like, uh, you're you not going to be interested in this. Yeah. But that's that identity thing, man. So I totally understand it. But I mean, as far as I guess protecting yourself from that becoming your own identity, whether it's veteran, the military, LEO or fire, wildland fire. I mean, what would you suggest to prevent that? Do stuff, man, do all sorts of stuff, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a job, whether it's, I don't know, just have such a diverse resume that you can't identify as any one thing. I gotcha. I mean, I did white collar stuff. I started, you know, started a couple businesses. I've done structure fire, I've done wildfire, carried, you know, a gun for work, stateside, overseas, you know, I did military, worked at McDonald's. Like, you know, that's, and I don't, I don't know if it's like a people seeking validation thing when they do that hyper identify as their job thing, or I don't, you know, I don't know what, there's probably a million contributing factors of like, you know, like one of the big ones is probably like, 
what makes a boy a man. I gotcha. Like we don't know, right? So like these guys go join the military, go do fire and thinking that's going to make them a man. And now they're a 22 year old kid for all intents and purposes. And they don't feel like a man. They don't know what they're doing. And so I just think just that vary your life experiences so much, whether it's with your hobbies, your education, your work, whatever, um, to where you can't just identify as one thing, you know, be, be Plato in situations. Just separate Gumby the entire time. Yeah. Just be able to slide. Like I always use the term like slime. Like I can, I've slimed my way into jobs I'm grossly unqualified for. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, though. I mean, that's that, that whole education thing. I mean, you learn a lot of shit on the job, whether it's wildland or through life experience or through the military. I mean, and that, but that may, if you use it right, it'll prep you for cool shit down the road. Right. If you can articulate, like you can articulate, you know, like we do these Q and A's and like we talk about like articulating and like one of the things that always comes up every single Q and A is like, how do I get on a career fire department? I've been a volunteer or I'm an EMT and I got this fire class. Like I got my associates in fire science and I've been a volunteer for two years. Like, am I like, okay. They hire accountants. They hire dudes that leave white collar world. And like they, there were guys in my Academy that never looked inside the cabinet of a fire truck before and didn't know like close couple of, like they didn't know this stuff. They didn't put turnouts on ever. Yeah. And somehow they got hired. Like you can't tell me that out of the 10,000 applicants, that they didn't have anybody else that never volunteered and never had a one and two from a college. Like, but they were able to articulate the attributes that made them successful, whether it was being an accountant or being a manager at McDonald's or being a wildland guy or being a military dude or being whatever. Right. They didn't just say, you know, why, why should we hire you? Oh, well, because I, I did wildland and I know about structure and I'm really good at spraying water and I'm a really good person. I want to help people. They probably said something like, I've been successful in everything I, I do and I enjoy hard work and I know the job isn't glamorous and being a roofer wasn't glamorous, but at the end of the day, I was able to help finish someone's house. And that's the last thing, you know, like they're able to sell an unglamorous thing by using the attributes that made them successful of discipline and humility and focus and execution and hard work and teamwork and all that. Right. But people don't want to go be a roofer. Right. They want to find the easiest way to get into the coolest thing that they can do. But there's no fucking shortcuts in life though. I mean, sometimes you, you gotta have the work. You gotta put in some miles before you get yeah. that. Yeah. And I like, I know a, a guy who's, who was picked up by a big department and he is 20 years. He was 20 years old. He's like 22 now, but he was 20 when he was hired by a very big household name department. And he, uh, Everyone's like, oh, it must have been a debt. No, he didn't have any relatives on it. I think it's like a cousin or something might have been a guy somewhere, right? People were claiming like nepotism and shit. Yeah, people people were all poopy about it. And once I got to know him a bit more, it's like from the age of 16, he was like visiting stations, doing stuff with the unions, uh, doing stuff with the, they have these groups that like, you know, uh, do like, uh, community, like community service work. He was like any kind of thing that he could do with them, he was doing, he went to this like tech, school while he was in high school that did like firefighter stuff. He did their explore, pro like everything that he could do, he did. And he didn't just walk in there and say, well, I've been an explorer for two years and I do a lot of community service with you guys. Mm -hmm. He walked in and said, let me tell you how dedicated I am. And he never once talked about how old he was or how young he was. He went in there and talked about his focus and his ability to execute and used examples of adversity and used examples of hard work. And, and he got picked up. And there were guys that 
are studs that took seven years of testing to get picked up. Yeah. So it's not about your ability to do the job. It's about your ability to be a good person that they want to work with. They want to live with, they want to hire. And if, whether that's the fire department or the military or the private sector, like this is kind of a universal thing. It's not about the job tasks. It's about, can you sell yourself? Can you articulate why they should hire you and why you're a good candidate? That and trainability too. Cause I mean, you're going to learn the job. No one knows how to fight fire the first day on the job. That's just right. doesn't happen. Right. But being easily trainable to be trained, how the department or the military or whoever. I mean, this, this, this concept applies to just about fucking anything that you apply yourself to. I mean, they're going to train you the position. They just want dedication and trainability yeah. as well. Can we, live with this? Can we live with this dude? Can we count on this dude? Is this dude going to say, Oh, I quit, you know? So yeah, there's no easy routes. There's no easy route to the good stuff. Oh no, hell no, there isn't. But there is things that makes it a little bit easier, like education. I mean, right. Like, and education doesn't need to come from school. No, it doesn't. I think a lot of people forget that. Like you will never be, you will never learn how to run a business going to school. You can learn how to work at a large business by getting an MBA, but you very well may end up working for a dude who has a high school diploma. Um, well, look at how many successful people that were like high school or college dropouts. Right. Some of those examples are a little weird. People are like, Oh, uh, who was it? Oh, like, like Bill Zuckerberg. Gates or something. Yeah. Like Zuckerberg, like Zuckerberg dropped out. Like, yeah, Harvard, right? Like, yeah. You're, you're barely making it through community college, bro. Like that's not, you know, let's be realistic here. But yeah, like sometimes just the best way to learn is to just do it, just execute, just find what it is you want to do and give it a shot. And, uh, obviously school is beneficial and obviously like you learn a lot in school and like coming in with a degree is a valuable thing, but whatever it is you want to do, like find out, just pursue it. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I know I'm talking like very vague generalities here, but, um, you'll learn a lot starting a business, even a, like cleaning pools or detailing cars. I mean, like, Start a company for a year and just see what happens and work it, work it around whatever job you're doing. You'll learn a lot. It's hard. Oh yeah. You will learn about everything. You will look at the world differently. Then you'll learn how much the government loves to stick things where the sun don't shine with taxes, especially Jesus. Please please don't get me started on that. Yeah. like, Like how you solve problems when you've started a business and it doesn't, you don't need to be, you don't need to successfully start a business. Just try to start a business whether you fail or succeed, you will learn so much. Oh yeah. Well, that's like, whatever, Oh, sorry. Like, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say like, whatever, like, come with, like I want to sell widgets. Okay. Well like learn about how they're made, how to make them cheaper. Who's making them. How would you sell them? How would you market them? Like just finding the answers to those things will change how you process information, how you look at things, um, to such a degree. Uh, I think, yeah. I could, I could rant about that for hours. I could rant about tax. I could rant about a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, that's an important thing though, is it makes you a better critical thinker, I think. Yeah. 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 That, and it goes back to like having a diversified resume and it doesn't have to be like diversified with cool guy jobs. Just do stuff, do things that sound interesting. And even if it's for a, a month or two, like nobody's going to be like, nobody cares. Like yeah. go, like if you're like, oh yeah, I was super passionate about it. I did this thing and I found out my actual passion was over here. So I bounced over there. I mean, just being able to have 
this master, like jack of all trades, master of none type thing. Like, oh, you'll be successful in whatever you do, right? You'll be the Play-Doh. You'll be your your plug and play, and you you can show that you've been successful. You know, and so in like my approach was like, I'm not a traditional education kind of guy. I am a do fun stuff kind of guy. So what seemed fun and would you know pay the bills was like military stuff and wildland stuff and fire stuff and you know carrying a gun and doing medic stuff like and so i did all these different things and they i was successful at them and it's an easy thing to talk about in interviews and so you find yourself being somehow qualified for more than you would think because of this diverse background and resume that you have you find yourself being able to get jobs you're completely unqualified for that are now a resume bullet. Right. So I just think people should entertain the idea of leaving the comfort zone and, uh, um, just seeing what happens. Oh, absolutely. That and the importance of failure. I think failures, dude, you need to fail at shit in order to be better at other things. Yeah. I genuinely think you got to eat shit to like really get it. Um, whether that's an arrest, I'm not saying go get arrested, but like there's a, one of our platoon leaders. Um, I talked to him regularly. He's a lawyer now. And, uh, uh, when I was working on white collar stuff, he was in the same city I was in. So we catch up and, and he told me that he thought that going to war and coming back would make him feel like a man. And he came back and he was not, he said, he said he was a mess. And he said the moment that he felt like he was finally a man was when he was sitting in handcuffs in jail for a, a DUI because mm-hmm. he's like, I am now a man. I, this, there is, my parents aren't coming. My, there is nobody to come bail me out. Like I'm a big boy. Now I have to deal with the repercussions of it. And like, so he didn't feel like a man until he truly failed. Cause this guy sailed through West point and sailed through military and sailed through ranger school and sailed through law school, sailed through all this stuff. He never failed until he fucked up and got arrested. You know? Yeah. So no one's coming yeah. to be like your oh, fucking yeah. savior. Yeah. yeah. So you might, not feel like a man at 20, but oof, you fail. That's on you, dude. And whether that's, you know, what, whatever it is, right. Yeah. Moving to a new city and not being able to find, I, I don't care what it is, but like being able to talk about a failure is impressive. And there's like, for example, there's like venture capital, like investment firms that will not invest in your idea, no matter how successful you've been, if you haven't failed spectacularly. And that's you you get that turd sandwich. Yeah. So they're like, like, uh, there's this, I can't remember the name, but, um, they're like founding ideology, like their investment ideology, whatever you call it. They're like, you could have done three startups and sold all of them to Google and they went public and you're worth a billion dollars. If you haven't failed, we're not, we're not investing in you. They'd rather invest in someone who's failed twice and never been successful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like being willing to step out of that comfort zone, and fuck up and fail. Um, and then to be able to talk about it is huge. Talk about yeah. it with some like dignity and grace, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, Oh, well it was this guy's fault. It's like, well, you know, yeah. this happened. I learned this, right. Yeah. It's not anybody else's fault, but your own, especially if you're like, you know, in that position as like a CEO or you're running your own company, just day to day life. Yeah, I mean, there can be, there can absolutely be factors out of your control that contribute to the failure, you know, like fucking Mark, coronavirus. I'm going to open a gym, you know, and I finally save up all my money and I open a gym in February and now it's closed. Right. So like, 
Yeah. Now, now imagine being able to talk about something like that where the failure is absolutely out of your control. How do you, how do you accept that and talk about that? Well, there's always going to be shit that's out of your control. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But just man, the willingness to like fail is, I mean, it's terrifying. I failed a lot and then, you know, some stuff worked out and so life's pretty good. But if like some of those things never failed, like, I don't think I'd be where I'm at. Like worst responders wouldn't be what it was without failing and, you know, learning lessons the hard way and stuff. So. Oh yeah, man. But those, those are life lessons that you'll carry on forever. Oh yeah. The day you're in the ground, man. Yeah. Yeah. All day. So what about like emergency medicine? What got you into that? So was that a military thing or were you just kind of interested in it before you got into the military? I was, I always thought it was pretty cool before I, before I joined. And then, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to be a firefighter ever since I was a kid. And I knew that like the EMT and medic stuff was a part of it. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I thought like the trucks were cooler than any of it. Like I, you know, people were, oh, a fire, like, yeah. like I thought the trucks with the lights inside, like I thought that was the cool part. <laughs> and so, uh, um, so anyways, yeah, I ended up doing a couple seasons on wildland and uh buddy of mine's a special operations medic. And I was like, Hey, you know, I don't want to do them or fire. This and, and he was like, Hey, you should, you should look at like being a medic in the military. Cause like you, you can, you can do all sorts of stuff once you do it in the military you can go be a flight medic. You, you can go do all like, there's more options for an army medic than like a majority of the other jobs in the military. He's like, you can do cool stuff. You can just do your time and get out. Like it's appealing to the fire department. Like it's appealing to whatever it's it'll worst case. You'll have some fun. And so, um, I thought it was pretty cool stuff. I joined, I really found that I, I just really enjoyed it. And then I got the opportunity to instruct and I just fell in love with it even more. So when I got out, um, I was teaching it for some training companies and teaching IFAC and TC3 courses and stuff like that. And, uh, and that's when I realized like there is a niche for like dudes that could carry a gun and had some credentials, but also knew this medical stuff. Um, and they were seemingly for whatever reason, always in demand. Um, and that's what kind of piqued my interest. And I, I really got into the medic side of the medical side of things, I should say. Um, I just, it's such a valuable skill set. whether like, if you want to do anything cool and I'm doing finger quotes right now, you want to do anything cool in the civilian world. And like, you come to them knowing how to handle like trauma single-handedly, like, isn't that a pretty valuable skill set to have if some dude's applying to a shot crew? Oh Yeah. You guys have so many applicants now, uh, just thanks to like some more, I guess, some more awareness of hotshot crews and, you know, a, a movie and a, a, an unfortunate tragedy. Now people know it's like, oh, this is an actual thing. And so you have a, well, you have a lot of applicants, I imagine. And uh, what better way to stand out than to say, like, yeah, I can I can handle traumatic injuries and emergencies out of my backpack with no other support on my own. Oh yeah. It's super valuable shit, man. Especially it's, it's austere medicine. It's austere environment. Yeah. Medicine is what it is. Right. And what are we working yeah. in? Austere environments. Bingo. Fucking yeah, so, big brain time. <laughs> yeah. Like it's appealing as an, like you want to go to RN school. Okay. Well, why do you want to do this? Like, okay, well, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, this guy obviously like, no, like he's done this before. Right. Yeah. Um, you're a cop, like cops are first on scene stuff like this. Okay. Well, this guy, so this guy can do the cop thing, but he can also help if something goes down. 
Like it's, it's just, it's so, it's such an appealing skill set, and it was so easy to get into it. Um, and it was just this, so many people didn't know anything about it. And so teaching it made it that much easier to be passionate about it. And, uh, you know, and then finding out that there's all these contract jobs and all this stuff, and some of them are armed and some of them are unarmed. And that's just kind of, that really piqued the curiosity of like, there's this whole world of this skill set that's constantly in demand. And the reason they pay what they pay is because, okay, you get out of the military and you got these skills and you contract for a few years and if you're going to start a family or go to, like, you're going to go to school, like you're going to settle down at some point. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just this thing that nobody knew about. And it was just, it, it really, it made me raise so many questions and want to know more about it. No, it's a valuable skill set to have. I mean, shit, even like walking around on day to day, like you're out with your buddies at the range or you're hunting, archery hunting, you fucking, I don't know, take a stab to the shin or something like that. It's kind of valuable to know that, especially if you're alone. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's uh, it's a good skill set to have, man. Shooting artillery is cool, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, until like the Amazon Walmart war, you know, there's probably not going to be any private companies hiring dudes to shoot artillery. The corporate wars of 2022. Yeah, the corporate wars. Yeah, dude. The, the franchise wars. Taco Bell wins that. I saw it in Demolition Man. That's one of my all time favorite movies, dude. Yeah. I love Demolition Man. Yeah. What's up with the seashells anyways? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, it's kind of cool though, because you have had all these unique life experiences and you applied that and you didn't stick around in the military. You didn't stick around in wildland. You got into some white collar stuff. You've done, you got your own businesses, plural, and now you do the structure side of things. And I think that diversity in life experience is kind of what sets people up for success. And this should be a, a little bit of a lesson to our listeners as well, because you you guys are perfectly capable of this doing the shit too. Oh God, yeah. The hard like the yeah the hardest thing I've done is like has been fire stuff, dude. Um, so if you can if you can do that, you can literally do whatever you want. Um, you could be a doctor if you wanted to. Like you, <laughs> there's not a lot of doctors that I think are capable of. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. I just there's not a lot of dudes that are lazy or incapable of whatever it is they want to do that can somehow put 70 pounds on their back and go climb mountains in the summer and then start working after they're done climbing the mountain. Like that's just, that's insane. That's yeah. psycho. you know. And so like, accept this, like, I don't care what kind of capacity you work on. Like if you fight wildfires in the summers, you can do a lot more than I think you realize you can do. And so, uh, take the risk, man. Like why, like for, especially for starting like a business, dude, if you had six months of like, you get right off a season, you got six months of like runway and capital to like start a business. Mm -hmm. What a killer deal. Especially with something like winter focused. Oh yeah, dude. Like a snow plow or something like that. Shit. That'd be cool. Yeah, snow plow, tree trimming, whatever, like a landscaping company, pool cleaning. Like I don't care what dude, like, there's so many businesses that are inexpensive to start and uh, structure guys do a really good job of this, of like starting businesses and like exploiting their job, like firefighter movers or whatever. Right. Or like, um, the, like starting a moving companies, not uh, doesn't take a lot of cash to do. No, right? All you need is a truck and a strong back. Right. And so, um, yeah, like why, like how I'm sure somebody's done it. I'm, sure i'll get a message from the company i hope i do if i if, if this exists please message me like wild like hot shot landscaping or something where you know 
Like we do that, you know, Oh, can I drop that tree? Of course. Like I drop trees that are on fire in the summer. Like this is no big deal. Like the promo marketing side, like the structure guys do a really good job of like, whether it's CPR classes or personal training or um, landscaping or handyman services or moving stuff like, and and they have to fit that around their full-time schedule. Whereas wildland guys like easy, easy, you get, you get a couple guys, you got six months of runway, start a moving company. You spend the cooler months moving. You spend the hotter months doing your fire stuff. You sub out, you know, subcontract out your, your summer move, like whatever. I just, and they're all capable of it because they are capable of climbing mountains in the summer and fighting fire with shovels. You know, so you can, <laughs> I, promise, I promise you, dude, you can do it. Well, shit, dude, even if you don't want to start your own business, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities out there, especially if you have like an emergency medicine background or some military experience. I mean, shit, yeah. you run a job board with all this contract work. And if you're willing to be a nomad, which we already pretty much for the most part are. You guys kind of check that box. Yeah. I mean, talk about yeah. your contract board. Yeah. So, um, the other admin and I did all contract work and stuff and we had, um, there's this weird world and it was very word of mouth and it still is very word of mouth. Um, you know, the hardest parts, like the hardest part was knowing that this exists and then knowing where to look. And there's thousands of these companies that, that post these jobs and they don't post them on indeed or monster. Like they just, they post them on their weird little obscure site because all they need is 30 or 40 or a hundred people. You know, so I, I'm like, Oh cool. They got a job. I send it to you. You send it to your boy. And it's just, you know, it's, it's the boys, right? It's the guys. Yeah. Um, and so like there was no centralized space that, that did what we kind of envisioned. And so we spent like, I mean, we started January of 2019 and the page and we talked about like, stop working overtime and use that spare time to like get certs and credentials and diversify your resume and diversify your experiences and use that and exploit your experiences of, uh, of what you have in your background and slime into these contracts. If that's something that interests you because they pay so well and, uh, yeah, they're, they're not as stable as working for an ambulance company, I'm sure, but you can work a couple contracts, you know, you work a two month here and a three month there, you got $50,000 sitting in the bank account. You don't need to rush out and get a job. You can, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a little school and, or maybe I'll go do whatever. And if another contract pops, I'll go. Um, and so it was this really cool appealing thing. And, you know, working on the Ambo as we realized how like these people are so hardworking Nobody's there because they are lazy or, I mean, there's lazy people in every job. Yeah. Like for the most part, these are like some of the most caring, hardest working, compassionate people around and they get paid garbage. Well, let's be honest with ourselves. AMR fucking sucks. Yeah. Well, that's just, um, AMR fault. Like all any of these companies, like they just pay bad. Like it's just, you're not going to get taken care of. And yeah, there's unlimited overtime and there's all sorts of stuff that they, they dangle in front of you. But <clears throat> I know people that were bragging about making like, you know, 15 or $20,000 extra in OT to my, my partner and I, and uh, he didn't have the heart to tell him like he made that in like a month on a contract Yeah, and he took, and he took two months off after that or three months. He took some crazy period of time off after that and he just, you know, he taught some of this and instructed a little here. Like he just, he enjoyed life. 
And this person slaved away, taking years off their life and unhealthy and not working out to make that same amount of money. So yeah, we talked about the job board and there wasn't anything like medical specific. Um, there was like shooter specific ones, uh, you know, and they had like canine and Intel and comms, all, all this, that kind of stuff, but they didn't have like medic stuff. And despite being niche in the contract world, like, like at least in the arm contract world, like there was this whole other side of like disaster relief and oil rigs and offshore work, like all these plate, like everyone needs EMTs and medics. Oh, yeah. Any, any austere environment needs it and they pay. Um, because the number of dudes that have, you know, girls that have like three, four years experience and this cert and a passport and some willingness to travel and, okay, cool. You're probably going to have them for like three years before they're going to settle down or stop doing the nomad thing. And so there is a high turnover and there's a high turn rate. And because of that, they pay, um, <laughs> they paid well. So we started this job board, and, um, you know, just trying to show people like these are the opportunities that exist. And then the COVID stuff happened and the contracts just went crazier than I ever thought. They would go. Yeah. It's just, and for good reason, right? Like, Hey, you want to, how much do I got to pay you to go work in an ICU full of COVID patients in New Jersey or New York city during the peak of it? Yeah. You're going to have to pay, you know? And so they're like, yeah, there is a risk that you catch it. And, um, yeah, obviously they'll take care of you know, all that, but you know, that kind of limits the appeal. It's not a, Hey, you want to go hang out in Puerto Rico and hand out water bottles for 700 bucks a day. You know, disaster relief. Yeah. I know one, one of my buddies had, he was a guest on my podcast. He actually does that stuff. He's starting up a nonprofit as well, but he's tied nice. into doing the disaster relief and building wells and shit, but it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, uh, our other admin did some, uh, contract, some disaster relief contracting. And, um, I was on multiple standby rosters for, for a couple of them and, uh, talked to a lot of these companies and they are, like, oh, you got an armed guard card and a, you know, a year, at least, you know, a year or two of military or police or security time and you got your own gear and you can get here. Okay. Yeah, we'll pay 300 bucks a day. And guys are like, oh, wow, 300 bucks a day. But you go to them and you're like, yeah, I have that, but I'm also an EMT and I was a combat medic or, oh, I'm also a trauma instructor or I, I have my paramedic. Well, all of a sudden you're getting 550 a day. Yeah. It bumps it up. You know, and so have it like, again, a diverse, like a diverse resume with these different skill sets can pay if you're willing to travel, especially if you can articulate it well, that yeah. negotiating your rate too. If you're going to take on a new job, man, play hardball. Yeah. Yeah. Most people I think are just so used to be being paid trash that they're, you know, Oh, this company will pay me 14 an hour. I was, I was making 1290. You're like, well, if they opened with 14, ask them for 15, ask them for 16, you know? Um, I just think that's a lost art. It's one of the many things they don't talk about anymore. The how to negotiate. Yeah. How to negotiate. And that's the thing though, man. It's like, you got to negotiate and make life work for you. Yeah. 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 Agreed. No, that's crazy though. So you run worst responders and mm -hmm. I've always been fascinated. I want to hear the story of like how you got into this shit because it's, it's some of this shit's hilarious, man. And you guys typically shit on private ambulance companies all the time because there's better opportunities out there. But at the same time, if you get your start at, you know, one of these private ambo companies, it's that turd sandwich you have to eat before you can start doing real cool, real cool shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. So for the record, we like to shit on everyone, uh, including ourselves. Um, but yeah, private ambulance companies are pretty, pretty brutal. Um, and you can't blame them because there's a surplus of people willing to work. Like it's simple economics. If nobody, like, as far as I know, I'm pretty confident that AMR has never forced anyone to work for them against their will. I'll put money on it, but, uh, people apply all the time. So why would they pay more if so many people are willing to do the work anyways? Well, from why, like, a there's stance. a master, there's a right from a business stance, the supply of EMTs exceeds the demand for EMTs. Thus wages go down. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying we need to stop giving people EMT cards. What I'm saying is like, look at the fire department, look at cops, like look at a lot of like iron workers, look at a lot of, a lot of company or a lot of industries they've like protected the career field and there is no unified voice for EMS guys. Um, like the fire unions are great. They did a really good job of protecting the career and expanding their scope and expanding responsibilities and, uh, thus compensation and pensions and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, back to your initial question. So, uh, AMR does the same thing. Any other company, private company would do that, you know, their, their money comes from, like look at call centers, dude. I mean, call centers have people making them thousands of hours, thousands of dollars an hour, and they're paying them crap because the supply of people exceeds the demand. So, um, I don't know how you justify it. Like, I don't know how you change that in a call center. But on the EMS side, maybe we look at more education, more CES. Instead of saying we need to pay, get more money first. I think you need to prove that you're capable of, like you're responsible for that. I don't know what the solution is. Um, I don't know. Uh, but why we, yeah. So why we started or how we started. So my, uh, my partner and I were, uh, working ambos. We weren't working on the ambos for long and we would just call each other and tell each other the silly stories. And we followed level zero and a bunch of the other pages. And we made some joke about, uh, seeing a dude at Chipotle get an EMS discount when he works in interfacility ride and like come angry, like, Oh, you know, <laughs> it was like the clenched Arthur fist, you know? And so we like, ha 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 ha. And we sent it to him and he posted it and it like blew up. And I was like, Hey, wait a second. Like that was, I a, just, that was a hardcore meme tax right there. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Like I can, I can do that. And so, uh, so we just started making stupid memes and, uh, came up with the name. I can't, I don't even think if we were just bouncing names off the wall and he was just like, how about worst responders? I'm like, dude, let's do it. And so that was it. And then we just started posting stupid memes and, uh, people found them and shared them and followed us. And then we started posting about, you know, contract stuff and military stuff and stop working OT and, you know, so we kind of got this like following, like this kind of vibe of like, you know, self-improvement and goals and reaching your objective, like trying to just do better, cooler stuff. And, uh, you know, we have people message us for advice, which was terrifying because I'm, I would never ask myself for that advice at that point in my life. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Uh, and so I, uh, yeah, the page is kind of transformed and we're like, Hey, let's make a, let's make a sticker thing. And people just 
people kept buying them and we couldn't get them. They're like, okay, well, we'll make another batch and we'll get around to it. And then we, you know, sell out a couple hundred of them like that. It was the whole, the whole thing was such a trip. The whole experience has been a trip. Um, and so once like next thing we knew, we had this huge platform, people listening to what we're saying and inside jokes and poop gang and moist gang and all this stuff. And, uh, and then we're like, let's get these people good jobs. Like, let's figure out this job thing. And so we started this whole job board. And I think I was like, it's like, how much does a McDonald's meal cost? It's like, okay, it was $7.59. I was like, okay, well, let's do it. And uh, so we, uh, next thing we knew, like people are messaging us, hey, dude, I got this job. Or, hey, man, I talked to this guy from here. And it's just like every month we got all these people messaging us like these crazy opportunities they, they've they found because of us and the whole thing started because we made some guy a meme and we're like we could do that huh. and the next thing you know it's like I'm on here talking to you and we're talking to like just having partnerships and, and friendships and relationships with these other huge I don't even I don't consider ourselves bad we're just dudes that post jokes you know and um but just talking to people from all over asking for advice or, Hey, what do you think? Or I was thinking about joining out. My recruiter told me this and you're like, no, he's lying to you. Like <laughs> your recruiter's you know, full of shit. Yeah, just being able to like give objective advice because I don't have like, there's no agenda here. Like I'm not a recruiter in the army trying to meet my, my quotas. You know, like it's just nice being able to say like, I've learned a lot of these lessons the hard way. Here you go. So yeah, it's it's just cool though how you turned like a meme page into something greater, you know, a, a bigger mission like involved with that. I think it's pretty cool, man. Like furthering careers, uh, adding to life experience, the fucking job board, just bettering yourself. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, the whole experience has been a trip. Uh, my uh, my lady initially, I mean, she's like. I could tell her I'm going to go be a meth dealer and she'd probably encourage me to be the best, the best meth dealer around, you know, like she's, she's like, so ride or die about it all. Um, and I remember initially I was like, Hey, we're going to make, I made this, I made a meme page. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was probably like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. Like how old are you? You know? And, uh, but she was like, okay, cool. And just, it's been funny. Like telling some people that, Hey, like I started this meme page, you know, and we had like a thousand followers and then, uh, just, that it like turned into this real thing and that it is like people are getting jobs and people wear our stuff. Like that's what's like, I can't wrap my head around it. It's like people, like we post these things that we make on a shirt and then people wear it. Like it's just, that's the craziest thing to me. And I'm like, I will always be so appreciative of anybody that is willing to buy a sticker pack or, you know, like our stuff or follow it. Like just, there's 70,000 weirdos that follow us and think I'm funny. Like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, okay, I'm not, maybe I'm not that weird. Uh, there's more of us. So yeah, it's, it's just a trip, dude. The community has been so cool. Like all the other EMS meme pages, like anchor point, uh, uh, hot brewery, like all these, all these other groups, you got, like, everybody's been super cool. Um, yeah, it's been a trip. It's, it's, it's like, we, like you talked about earlier, uh, it's a tight knit community. Uh, even on the meme side, dude, everybody's cool. Everybody's cool to each other. Everybody's talking to each other. Oh yeah. Like, uh, thirst responders, <laughs> your work wife. Funny, dude. She's oh yeah. Yeah. She's fucking like, rad. Yeah. She's cool. Anytime we post like a Q and a, she's like, where's my alimony? <laughs> <laughs> she's funny. Yeah. She blew up quick. It was really cool to see like a female perspective 
of like nursing and and whatnot. And her her content's killer, dude. Oh yeah, um, yeah. She's gonna be big. She'll they'll be big. I, I I'm confident of that. Yeah, she started. She seems like she started to get back into like helping the community as well, like with advice. The same shit that you're doing, and we're all doing yeah. it in a way. And that's like, yeah. I think the whole mission here is like to better people's lives and give advice and, hey, don't do this because this will happen or, you know, just making yeah. people's shit better. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think that's why we all are attracted to these types of jobs in the first place is we have like this naive vision of like making things better. But like, like, let's be honest, like I, I'll run like, OK, let's say I run calls for the next 20 years and retire. Like, did I truly make the city better? Right, like you're a cop for 20 years, you you solve crime before you retire. Did you did you fix wildfires? Did you prevent like did you single handedly like for 20 years are you working in a wild world? Like, are you going to stop wildfires from happening with anything you're going to do? So like when it's all said and done, like you did your job, it was awesome, it was hard work, but like could you have done more? And uh, like you've done a lot, dude. Like anybody that does any kind of this outreach stuff, like I like to think that that's kind of their approach is like they wanted to do more and they wanted to help more of their peers. And like, that's where the appeal comes from. Mm-hmm. I hate seeing, dude, there's nothing more heartbreaking than seeing like when I was on the Ambos, this guy's working OT guys, just, you know, the jokes about like, uh, uh, going to the hospital EMS room and like stealing all the, like all the snacks. <laughs> like it's, a real, it's a real thing I saw because dudes were like fucking broke. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're trying to support a wife and a kid and, you know, they got their EMT and they're working 25 hours of OT a week, but they want to go to medical school so they can make more of a base rate, but they can't afford to drop the OT and they can't afford the school. It's like they're just this, like that's, ah, dude, that's, I can't imagine it's, living like It's that. tragic is what it is, man. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, if we like, and so you're telling me like, I got this page where I post stupid poop jokes and all I got to do to like possibly change that guy's life is to like find this job and slap it up. Like, okay, I can do that. You know? Well, it seems Um, so simplistic when you put it like that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're seriously improving the quality of life of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a trip. Like it's always surreal when like people message us and they're like, Hey, uh, I was making $13 an hour and I got a contract because of your advice or like, Hey, I followed your articles, which like, I didn't write those articles, but like we had, we had other dudes much better than I write some of these articles about like how to get hired. And, um, you know, we've gotten a lot of emails with like guys are like, Hey, I've been testing for years. And the first interview I had after I read your articles, I got hired or, Hey, I changed my resume and now I'm getting calls back or I used your template and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, um, cause like we'll post jobs that are like, like we don't always post all the jobs on our job board. Like sometimes we'll do like, Hey, it's in our story or, or go follow like crucial staffing or like, you know, one of these other companies and just like, Hey, I saw this job. I applied, I got in, I, I got on. Right. Like that's just, it's so surreal that like this stupid meme page that we started <laughs> is like the catalyst of like someone's life truly changing. Right. Or like this, this new phase of their life. Like we have, we have guys that are on, like going on to their third or fourth contracts. Like they got a job, like this one dude subscribed in March, got picked up for the New York contract, went somewhere else, Atlanta, went somewhere else. Now he's in like the Caribbean 
and he's his contract ends in like whenever and then he's already like lined up to go to africa so like he'll be on his like fifth contract by the end of the year oh shit because of us like you know it's like his whole literally his whole life changed he like punched out of the ambo company like i think he quit he got the call for the contract can you be on a plane tomorrow he quit whatever right and uh like because of us so like this dude's traveling the world, making all this money because of like our stupid joke Instagram page that we started. Like the whole thing's surreal. It doesn't feel real at all. It's the weirdest thing. No, it's hard to, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain. Yeah, no, I totally get it though. I mean, I mean, I've experienced a lot of the, a similar stuff, but you know, it, it's not like we need a job board for my side of things. I guess you could say for the federal side because it's all posted on USA Jobs. There's only one place you can apply for. Right, it's like right. a contractor, you know. But no, it's, it's cool. And I, I definitely, that's one of the reasons why I backed out of fire and, uh, started this whole thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, I figured out that I could probably do more outside of fire for people that are in it from an outside perspective. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you have this, so like you also have this platform to talk about this industry of people that are this whole world of people that aren't really like, you know, unfortunately like not a lot of people knew like what wildland guys did i think a lot of people thought it was like a brush truck and they'd go spray water or like maybe like the city firefighters would just drive out into the woods or like i don't know what the average person thought but um you know yarnell hill happened and you know the movie happened and people started talking about it the news started talking about it and they started doing interviews and you know hey like we're gonna go spend a spend a couple weeks with this crew and like people started realizing what what you guys do and they still don't know like they still have a fraction of an understanding of like um just some of the challenges that you guys are facing so like here you have a platform to like talk about them like that's incredible like just the definition of what you got like the job title thing which i i don't actually understand but like there's this debate of like wildland firefighters versus range technicians versus forestry technicians and how that's able to, they're, they're able to use that to change benefits, classifications and employment status and, and pay. And, you know, so like, yeah, you guys, you guys have a cool job and do some really cool stuff, but like you still got some battles ahead of you to, to, to fix some stuff, you know, from my, from my novice understanding of it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing too. It's like, we're not recognized as professionals and that's one of my missions as well. One of my, I guess my side quest, if you want to call it that, but, uh, yeah, changing that dynamic, but it's going to be hard. It's not going to be without its, you know, without its own set of problems if that were to actually happen, but of course, at least we can get something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, people will like shoot us messages of like, um, and even like before I started the page, we were like, Oh, I want to be a firefighter. Like, Oh, why? They're like, oh, I want to fight firefighter. You know, I don't, I don't really care about EMS. I want to fight fire. Like, Oh, go be a wildland guy. Yeah. And they're not, they're, you're not, not going to fight fire on a fucking, it's hard. Yeah. Being a wildland guy is way hard and uh, it's not as glamorous and it's not as cool and it's not as, you know, it's just, yeah, dude, I, I respect the shit out of wildland guys. I did it for two summers. I didn't do anything notoriously insane or, you know, movie worthy or, um, write home about it worthy. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I always thought the wildland was like some of the coolest stuff I've ever done out of everything I've done. I thought the wildland was like really up there. Yeah. It's definitely a unique experience. That is fun, man. I miss that shit every day, dude. I'll see like thunderstorms rolling into the valley and I'll be like, ah, you're (laughs) You're just like, Oh man, where's it going to be? 
Right. Yeah. But as far as the job board goes and if those people that are, you know, going to have a significant amount of time off in the winter and that are happen to be qualified, uh, where do we find that? Yeah. So, uh, go to, uh, worst responders on Instagram and hit the link in our bio. Um, uh, admittedly, a lot of these jobs like a bare bones requirements are EMT. So if you are a wildland guy and whether or not you want to stay wildland forever, or you want to like explore other options, or you're trying to be a structure guy, or you want to, whatever, I don't care what you want to do. Entertain the idea of burning a couple weeks after your season ends and getting your EMT. Because if you are able to do that, and maybe you are tired of like hiking in 12 miles every day, all day, all summer. Um, having a season or two of experience and your EMT, you can go contract and sit, as you know, go sit at some base camp and uh, get paid fat money of checking boo-boos and twisted ankles and sprains and stuff. Um, and one of the requirements for those standby uh, wildland EMT medic, uh, one of the requirements for that is a season of wildland. So there's lots of EMTs that want to do that job, but they don't have the hardest part. Um, whereas you guys have done multiple years of the hardest part. You don't have the easiest part, which is a two week, uh, a two week course. Yeah. So I would implore you, like if you're going to check out the job board and, and want to see what that's all about, go get your EMT first. Um, there's a couple jobs that don't require your EMT, but, um, like there's actually one in Africa right now driving an armored ambulance. Um, which I don't, yeah, dude, it's in uh, it's in a country called Mali. It's kind of in a war zone area. Um, and if you've driven like big vehicles before or like driven a, anything in the military, uh, they're like, come on down. <laughs> I don't know a lot of the details about, uh, about it, but they're, they're looking for medics and EMTs and, and armored ambulance drivers. And then there's, there's other jobs where you like, literally you just don't need to know how to like work a thermometer and they'll pay you 25 an hour, 45 hours a week and it has you feed you like check temperatures outside of a FedEx facility or something. Right. Um, but a majority of the jobs are going to want at minimum your EMT. Um, and so my advice would be to get your EMT, um, uh, and then maybe see if you can jump right into like, like figure out a way to do medic school. Like you might have to take a summer off of wildland, but dude, being a paramedic and having a couple years of wildland under your belt, there's just a lot of cool austere jobs that you can get. Oh yeah. Having that paramagic quality too. That's not just opening doors. It's kicking those fucking doors in. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like there's a lot of medics out there that want to do wildland, but can't, or they want to be a SWAT guy, but they can never be a cop. Right. Or they're not in a good enough shape or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, um, you know, like that, that movie Armageddon. Remember like the joke of like, they're going to teach drillers how to be astronauts. Yeah. Like how easy would it have been if you were already an astronaut and like you also had this like drilling cert that you did on your off days? Like how easy would it be to get on that mission? That would be right? easy as hell. Yeah. So like you've already done the hardest shit, whether it's PD, whether it's uh, Wildland, whatever, right? Um, all you got to do is get some college courses knocked out and like you can be on that rocket ship. Oh yeah. It's easy to get to. I mean, there's a lot of options out there as far as classes go. I know North American rescue, which oh, I, yeah. I highly guys. recommend those guys. I went and took Yuchi. my, yeah, I love those dudes. They're I uh, freaking awesome. Yeah. So they, uh, they actually have an AEMT program that's online. Yeah. I don't know how we're working with COVID right now. So like use that 
you know, take this with a grain of salt. But basically, they have this online advanced EMT course that, like, you do everything online and you fly to Vegas for like a week and you do your clinicals and your practicals. That's where I did all mine. Okay. Yeah. So, I didn't do the course through them, but I signed up for their class. Oh, like their, yeah. For their, uh, their testing and shit, their practicals okay. and the psychomotor. So I, I think they're trying to do something like, like similar where it's like all online and you fly out and do whatever for, for your paramedic, um, which would be huge. So I think one of the big issues like logistically is going to be like finding somewhere locally that allow you to do clinicals. Yeah. But if they can knock that out, dude, like that's going to be, that's going to blow up. But so what I, what I was getting at is if you have one year of armed protective services time or like armed threat time, or I don't remember how it's worded. I think it's like armed protected, protective services time where basically you were a security guard or a cop or a military dude. And you have one year of experience that you can articulate being in a high risk area where you could have been assaulted or injured or kidnapped or shot or abducted or whatever. And you have your advanced EMT and you have three years of EMS experience. You can qualify to be a department of state whips medic. So you're like basically in war zones, hanging out at embassy embassies, guarding dignitaries and facilities. And they pay those medics like 800 bucks a day. And, uh, you don't technically need to be a military guy to qualify for that. Damn dude. 800 bucks a day. Right. So like, but look at this, right? So like on its own, does an EMT, does an AEMT or paramedic cert, like make you bank on its own? No. What about being an armed security guard? No. What about having a passport? No. What about having good credit and being in shape? No. But if you have all those things, you can go get 800 bucks a day because People with those skills and and a willingness to be nomadic aren't common, and that's why an EMT that's willing to go work in Africa or whatever for three, four, five weeks, a couple months, is in higher demand or is compensated more than a guy who's willing to work a BLS IFT ride because there's an excessive supply. So make yourself a dude where there's not a lot of you. Yeah, make yourself valuable. Right. And that's where value comes from is like a lack of abundance and a perceived, you know, perceived worth. So, yeah. So for, for long, long rant cut short, um, if you're a wildland dude, entertain getting your EMT. Um, that's kind of that first step that you need. Uh, we got, we got jobs for all sorts of medical cert things, but like EMT is kind of the base medics really what you want. It's a lot longer though. Yeah. I mean, that's a year pretty much of dedicating yourself to the craft. I mean, your clinicals alone, shit, dude, that's, I mean, yeah, I don't know how many hours are required for clinical time. Yeah. It varies by state, but hundreds, multiple hundreds, if not more. Um, yeah, but like they've already done the hardest shit, dude. Like going to class, I think is a lot easier than climbing a mountain in the summer (laughs) and hiking in eight miles to start digging holes. Yeah, digging trenches on the side of some friggin' hill yeah. somewhere. Getting like your ass kicked. The hardest shit. Go do the easy shit. You know, take a summer off. Go get your medic. Hell yeah, man. I so, mean, I, I don't know any smoke jumpers, but I imagine like having a couple summers on a shot crew and having a paramedic cert 
would be pretty valuable and set you above other applicants if you were to apply to smoke jumpers and obviously be in incredible shape and all the other stuff. Oh yeah. I'm sure it would. I'd have to hit up my buddy Andrew about that. He did an episode on, you know, how to become a smoke jumper, but I mean, you can only say so much because a lot of that is base to base. It's very secretive of what actually goes on the day to day training. For sure. Yeah. But just, I would imagine like having that medic cert along with the experiences and backgrounds of like shot, you know, being on a shot crew or even just like a couple seasons on a regular crew, but having that medic and you're really trying to get on that shot crew. Like I think that would be pretty appealing to have in, you know, an in-house medic on the crew. Oh yeah. And you can keep current too. If you like, if you have your paramedic, you can keep your hours and your CEs in the off season. And chances are uncle Sam might even pay for it. I mean, the paramedic thing is way outside of our scope of practice. As far as like medical direction, we only operate typically at a, uh, like a BLS EMT. Really now? Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. But we're gaining traction as far as like upping our standards. I mean, we're basically for my local protocol, we're able to do EMTs operating, uh, pretty much almost as an eye or an advanced. Wow. Yeah. We're allowed like super glottic airways, shoulder subluxations or, uh, just what was it? Fucking, uh, yeah, yeah. reductions yeah. shit like that. So yeah, it's just expanded protocol, but any, any yeah. department can really do that. But yeah. having that baseline of knowledge, it sets you up for success in other areas. Yeah. And it's just diversifying that resume, dude. Be valuable. What happened? You take one bad tumble down a hill. I mean, yeah, someone's got to fix them, patch them up. Yeah. Or it's you, you know, and having that diverse resume allows you to slime right into some other position or job where before, I mean, my whole thing is like your backup plan shouldn't hinge on you being in good physical condition or, you know, not having like, you know, you blow an ACL or something. You know what I mean? Like, how many guys go play football and they don't have a backup plan. Their backup plan is I'll play football for five, six, seven years. And you know, they get a career ending injury two years in or worse or whatever. I mean, how many guys on fire departments or police departments do this, you know, and their backup plan was to go be a firefighter in some other small town or a chief when they retire, or, you know, now they, they ain't moving that well. So having a diverse resume, will allow you to easily, uh, adjust to life's unpredictability. Oh yeah, dude. And that's an important thing to have in your back pocket too, especially in a career like, like this, you know, I mean, it's your body's not going to last forever. So you better damn well have a backup plan right. just in case, because you never know, man. I, I like to have options as well. So, I mean, if, I mean, the retirement's all right and everything like that, but I mean, do I maybe want to do something else someday? Yeah. And I like to have options. Right. You know what I always thought I like would totally kill it is like a wildland dude or, uh, you know, especially like a hot shot or something that got like a CPA or became an accountant or something. Actually, like, there's a couple, all there's one locally here. Is it really? That's yeah. gnarly. Yeah. Like easy sell. How many guys do you know are a little, uh, lackadaisical with, uh, the paperwork and organization on their personal lives, you know, like that's, that's me to a T like I'm a mess. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, like, I mean, I do what I need to do, but like, I'm just not a super organized dude. Oh, it's boring. It's all the minutiae. It's super boring. Right. So like being a wildland guy and being able to, you know, 1099 and this W2 and that W2 and you're self-employed and this and that and knowing 
well, if you set up this LLC and blah, 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 I just think that'd be like a inherently valuable skill that you could easily work in the off season or when you retire, or when you want to move on. And it's, it's something so foreign to that world that, you know, you kind of become the guy. Oh yeah. I mean, how many people ask you about podcast stuff? Tons, tons of people. I was surprised, surprisingly a, a lot of people. Right. Well, how many other guys know about AV and tech and audio and editing software? Like, you know, well, that's the thing I didn't at first. I had to learn all that shit, but right. that willingness to learn, you know, I mean, yeah, you put the effort in typically will reward you. That's yeah, whatever. It'll, yeah. It'll pay out at some point. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, man. So you've got one coming up too, huh? Yeah. We're uh dab one in the idea of it. I think, I think it's going to happen. We're just trying to figure out some, how to best cover ourselves. Uh, so <laughs> identity wise. Yeah. 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 And so, um, yeah, we're, uh, maybe a month or so out from that. And, uh, the whole thing's just going to be getting, getting people like you just get interesting people on and talking to them, you know, PJ's like the goal. I, or, uh, I'm sorry, smoke jumpers. I'm, I, uh, keep crossing those wires. Um, like I'd love to get a smoke jumper on there and just chat with them about nothing in particular and just, you know, so like we got, uh, ranger medics and whips medics and structure fire guys and guys on heavy rescues and FDNY guy. I mean, PJs, search and rescue medics, SWAT medics. I mean, you, you got any cool thing an EMT can do. Um, you know, we got them lined up down to do the show, but that smoke jumper, dude, I got, I got like really, really spooky military medics and special forces dudes and multiple options. Can't find a smoke jumper. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're secretive, man. They're the, they're, uh, yeah. how definitely. many, how many are there? How many active smoke jumpers are there at any given time? Oh, like less than hundred, right? I, I couldn't tell you, man. Maybe 200. Maybe. That's honestly more than I thought. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to do a base count in my head, but you know, it's, it's hard because they're also, they're, they're not always just smoke jumping. They're doing everything, you know, they, right. they're jack of all right. trades. They like, go out of the division if they wanted to. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll drive to plenty of, like they'll drive to fires that don't need to be jumped into. Oh yeah. And they'll just be regular, <laughs> regular dudes. Um, they're definitely the silent professional type. That's for sure. For sure. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Um, yeah. It's just funny. That's, that's like one of the hardest people to chat with. Oh yeah. It's like, play yeah, like hide the hot shot, but they do it like all year round. <laughs> what's that? Hide the hot shot. Hiding from your division. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh they're definitely the world champions of hide and seek. The smoke jumpers at least. Good for them. Yeah, man. You know, they, like they have their own world. They can be like, oh no, we got this uh parachute uh, thing that has to show the you know, the inspections and playing, you know, post thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we'd go to these hospitals, like we'd go to like a big base when I was deployed and I was all these infantry guys, I was the only medic, and so like we had to just, you know, we're fixing trucks and we're just cleaning. I mean, we're just doing like stuff that sucks. Right. And inventories. And I'd be like, Oh, I got to go to the hospital. Like, what do you got to go to the hospital? Like, Oh, just met, you know, the meds and the, the, the just check inventory. I got in you know, the bag and supply, you know, and they, I just start talking about shit that they don't know about. And they're like, okay. <laughs> whatever. Right. So I imagine like some smoke jumpers, like, Oh, I don't get to shoot inspection, the, uh, the FAA, you know, the plane, you know, I go, what? okay, whatever. <laughs> go do your thing. Like, I imagine that's what it's like when they want to get out of something. Uh, I wouldn't blame them from using that if they do that. Yeah. Not saying that they do, but just saying if not. I was, I, I might. 
might, yeah. you know, but professionalism. Yeah. yeah. Professionalism. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, shit, man. I mean, we're, yeah, we've got a good episode going here. Uh, we're rolling probably around an hour and a half almost. Oh, geez. Yeah, dude, it's good. Um, hey, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just cool to see the behind the scenes of like world's responders, these big time meme, meme pages, you know, it's dude, cool. I don't feel like I don't feel like we're big time at all. We got some people that follow us for our stupid jokes and we sell stickers occasionally. Like that's how I still view it. You know, like it's like, it just doesn't, I appreciate the kind words though. Obviously, man, like I, I feel like you've been around a while, haven't you? Uh, a little bit over a year. I think, yeah, it was May. Oh, May was the company birthday. Yeah, you wasted no time getting yeah. well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in it, dude. A fucking pedal is yeah. to the floor. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing is like, I, I see so like we see so many pages start and they make such good stuff and you're just like I hope this guy's still around in five months you know there's so many like dead vacant meme pages oh yeah and I'm just like oh you know and so I, I try like we'll try to message him and be like hey dude your stuff's like super funny like let us know if you want any advice on like growing the page or whatever and it's so hard to do as a single as like a single person operation do you run the whole time. Do you run the whole thing on your on your own oh yeah it's a second full time job dude so so anchor point is a one man operation. Yes. Dude, that you're insane. <laughs> it's my wife. Hates got, it. <laughs> dude, we got like a couple guys that, that help out with, you know, just stuff. And, um, it's still, it's still a, a full time. It's like more than a full time job. Oh yeah, man. It takes a lot like, of work, man. Between that plus the editing and the posting and the content. And the, uh, yeah, dude. Well, it's what it takes, man. I, I definitely yeah, want yeah, this yeah, thing to be successful. Surface. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, on the surface, it's just like, oh, you have a, an Instagram thing. That's cool. Yeah, I also have an Instagram page. You know, like, <laughs> like they don't they don't realize like what actually goes into it, and like, like how okay, so we got like an hour. So like, how like how much do you, are you gonna have to tinker and edit after this? Uh, actually, I've gotten pretty quick at it, and it'd probably take me aside from like the ad reads that I have to do and the intro outro stuff. Editing would probably take me, I don't know, 15 minutes for the bulk of the episode, but then I got to do ad reads and all that other shit. So probably about three hours total. Jesus, dude. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. We need to have like national meme page day or like, like support your local meme page or something. something Press dude. F for your meme pages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not glamorous work. I tell you <laughs> <laughs> that and you know it's 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 kind of crazy though um i always get the like the the safety steves out there that are you know judging a a, a picture or video or whatever just by oh, yeah. the, just by the photo because you don't you get a very nuanced like a very micro aspect of what's going on in that photo you can't really tell what's going on but yeah. every time man i'll get somebody on there saying like oh yeah that's not safe i'm like well we don't know the whole story that stuff kind of annoys me yeah, that's like, I just like to keep it about like the culture and the jokes and the stupid stuff. So like, there's a reason that we don't talk about, you know, people are like, well, what do you feel about this or that or RSI or this drug versus that drug? And it's like, it's not what we do, you know, yeah. um, just to avoid those kind of things. Like we don't post pictures of like dudes working structure fires or accident scenes and people can criticize how they park. Like it's just not a not a debate, this type of thing that we want to even entertain. Yeah. Well, I don't I, political posts and talk about that instead, you know, <laughs> shit, you're opening up a can of worms there. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Just, yeah, Everybody's yeah. got their own opinions, though, and everybody wants to be the hero and tell it how they would do it. Or yeah, they just want to be right, and that's one thing I kind of want to get away from. Yeah, yeah. That's just like think about how many lessons could be learned, and like, like you have like fire departments that post like videos of them like working incidents and stuff, and they like. Like there's departments where like dudes, all the dudes have helmet cams. They have like very lax social media policies. And they're like, Hey, like film it fires, film it extrications, whatever. Well, it's good PR as long as it's done. Right. Right. And as long as there's no HIPAA stuff, right. But then ultimately it turns into just people ripping on them for tactics or safety or strategy or whatever. And they end up like disabling the comments. And so you can't have any discussion, which doesn't really value anything. And then or they just are like, like, screw this. And like guys are tired of getting ripped on for whatever. Right. Or made fun of. And it's just, it's so like, the, it's just funny that like the f- structure side of things and maybe the wild one side is the same. Um, like the online community is so toxic and it's so full of experts that have nothing better to do than rip into like how you spray water on a fire. Oh yeah. Like it's, at the end of the day, that's what you're doing, right? You know. Well, so. you have the luxury of anonymity behind a keyboard, and it's like you wouldn't talk to somebody yeah. like that if face to face at a bar. You'd get your ass whooped. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, man. it's like that's just like we like we try to stay away from that kind of. There's not a whole lot we try to stay away from, but like just the medical science kind of um, protocol kind of things. Like we're we don't really dive into that just because it's so it's so varied, and then. Um, you know, and then just stuff where, like people can rip on people for SOPs and whatnot. It's just, I feel like it just deludes any message you try to get across. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, that's the thing too, is like, you know, you're not an expert. I'm not an expert, but By any means, yeah. I'm just a facilitator and you're a facilitator in the same way in that regard, in the same regard, yeah. right? You bring yeah, in the a, experts, they sell their side of the story. I just ask questions. Yeah. I'm legitimately not an expert in anything. I've worked too many jobs for too short of periods of time to be an expert in any of them. Oh, so yeah. Well, same um, here, man. I yeah. don't claim to be an expert and I never will. Yeah. 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 Well, shit, man. I'm rolling up to the end of the show here. Uh, yeah. So where can we find you? Get a hold of you. Uh, beyondthemeatwagon.com is our website. Uh, we try to encourage people to live their life beyond the meat wagon and not succumb to the endless OT. Um, enjoy life vary your background, get in good shape, make networks, exploit those networks. And, uh, I guarantee you, like you will be able to get off the meat wagon and into a better opportunity for you, those things. Uh, and then our Instagrams, worst responders. Um, we're on Facebook. We don't really mess with Facebook a whole lot, but if you search worst responders, we'll come up, but that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at. Shoot us a message. Um, we love talking to wildland guys. The other thing we like doing is like, we love getting limited swag type things to cool guys doing cool stuff. So if you are willing to rock a meat wagon sticker on your wildland helmet, shoot us a message. We will get you one. And all we ask for in exchange is some cool shots of you doing your job with that sticker visible. And, uh, yeah, we love, we love giving, giving our stuff to, to cool guys doing cool stuff. So hell yeah, man that's yeah. awesome so yeah there you go worst responders and uh also at the end of the show i'd like to give you an opportunity to give a, a shout out to a homie hero mentor who do you got for us oh the, there's that, too many people there's too can. many people that have put up with my shit for too long uh 
Yeah. My, my chick's pretty cool. So I'll, I'll thank her for putting up with my bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of hard to give away some uh, home yeah, yeah, mentors just because um, sake of anonymity. Yeah. There are people out there that, that do know who I am and, and do know who we are. And, uh, they will probably listen to this. And if you know who I am, uh, you've probably been a vital part in shaping who I am and how I turned out. So, um, if you know who I am, you're probably one of my mentors and idols. So I appreciate your help and your wisdom and your advice. Hell yeah, man. Well, cool, dude. Well, there's a cool conversation, man. We got a little off into yeah. the weeds and I, I yeah, really fine. like that kind of stuff. Um, no, it's cool. It's good discussion. I, I love that shit. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. We, uh, we'll have to have to return the favor when we, when we get ours and up and running and make this happen. Oh yeah, man. I'll uh, definitely get you on that show again as well. Yeah. Cool dude. Well, thanks for what you do. Right on, man. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you later. Later, bro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with our good friends over at The Worst Responders, and they are the worst. I'm just kidding. They're actually pretty good. Aside from all joking and humor associated with the page, they're actually doing a lot of good shit for the community, whether that be Wildland, whether that be the EMS community, military, or your professional firefighters. They're doing great stuff. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, definitely got a little bit of behind the scenes action. And uh, yeah. Is pretty interesting. A little bit of out of left field, but hey, you know what? I like this kind of stuff. It's out of the ordinary. But just want to give a shout out to these guys. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your professional insight and knowledge. And uh, yeah, some of these contracts look pretty damn cool. But if you guys want to find out more, go over to www.beyondthemeatwagon.com. Over there, you can find a bunch of merch, which is hilarious. You can find a bunch of articles written by firefighters and uh, regarding the job military vets it's it's awesome you can go to their job board where for you know a couple bucks a month you can sign up and have access exclusive access to a curated list of all these contracts he was talking about sliming into doing air quotes here and they have a whole section on training so if you guys want to get into the professional fire service definitely check them out. They've got a lot of good advice, uh, especially uh, the structure side of things. So if you guys are looking to switch it up and chase something else, definitely go over to www.beyondthemeatwagon.com and check them out. Anyways, hope everybody's doing well. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, episode. And uh, yeah, go find these guys on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Worst Responders. They're hilarious and you guys will get a good laugh while you're uh, time traveling in the back of the buggy. So Special shout out to my sponsors. I uh, want to give a shout out to Mystery Ranch. Can't be, uh, I can't wait to be working on the uh, Backbone series with you guys. It's uh, pretty cool. And thank you for starting up this 1039 scholarship fund. Let's go over to Hotshot Brewery. Kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause. And uh, yeah, I'm still running dry. Bro, give me some uh, coffee. Come on. Come on. I know you're listening. And of course, the ass movement. Good causes, man. Uh, definitely, it's a, it's a hilarious name, but they're serious, man pack it in you can pack it out clean up your mess and uh remind others to do friendly good things to the environment and last but not least the smoky generation bethany you got an awesome organization over there and i definitely appreciate what you're doing keep it up